Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Nick White, a partner at Couchman's Law Firm in London. Nick and his colleagues specialize in sports business law, and we talk about the legal side of sports, including some of the challenges that are emerging in the fast-moving industry. For more information, check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Technology Podcast. My name is Mike, and with me to get again today is Henry. Hi, Mike. And our guest today is Nick White. Nick work is a partner at Couchman's Law Firm, specializing in a lot of sports-related casework and, and project. Nick, welcome to the podcast. As we begin today, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of where you approach the sports industry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so my, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a partner at uh, sports law firm Couchman's. Uh, we're, we're a London firm, a UK firm, um, and we, we basically do, you know, 95% sports law work. My, I have sort of two, two roles within the business one is um head of what we call the sports ip group so you know a lot of trademark a lot of copyright you know designs rights all all that kind of stuff and i'm also head of the uh the sort of sports digital group here as well so um it was really good to meet you mike the other day and to sort of shoot the breeze on on various kind of digital and and tech issues uh going on in, in in the sports space so where did you kind of first get the the motivation or kind of inspiration to to pursue law in relation to sport i mean i started so i started out as a lawyer you know over, over 10 years ago um, and i trained at a sort of big city firm called herbert smith which you know gave me a great kind of general grounding in in the law and I just decided that, that, you know, being in a massive city firm um, doing sort of, you know, standard corporate law or or property law or, you know, things like that was not really for me. And um, I, I found the, this firm, which was at the time called Couchman Harrington. It was a, a small firm, just, just the two name partners um, at the time. This was back in 2002. And I just dropped them a, a line and said, Hey guys, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking to move. Um, how about we have a chat? And they said, yeah, great. We're, we're looking to, to bring, bring some people on board. And so I met with them. We ended up kind of just chatting mainly about music and, and stuff like that, just about a load of stuff we had in common. You know, that, that was the start of the relationship. And, and it was just that sports law space was, was something that really, uh, really kind of interested me. You know, I love my sport as so many people who work in the sports space do. And I just saw a great opportunity to, uh, to really get involved and, and really to specialize in, in sports law. And here I am today still doing it. So for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with sports law, can you give us some examples of the types of things that you would work on? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the things I love about this job is that it's so varied. Um, <clears throat> you know, the different things I can be working on day to day can, um, you know, can really take take in loads of different kinds of, of law and loads of different sort of 
commercial as well as legal issues. So, you know, just to give you a couple of examples, we we do a lot of work with sort of high profile uh, footballers or, you know, soccer players as, as uh, you're most of the audience will probably know them as. Um, so we will advise on things like their image rights uh, and how to structure those for, for tax purposes. We'll advise on, you know, transfer deals between clubs. We'll advise on exploitation of their, uh, you know, effectively of their endorsement rights. So sponsorship deals and, and things like that. And then we'll also, you know, we have quite a big uh, sports data um, offering. And we've got a guy called Stephen Burton, who who is a real specialist in the sports data space. Um, and what that's really about is it, the, the provision of live, accurate sports data. So, you know, we've advised major governing bodies like the ATP and, and the International Tennis Federation on how to uh, effectively ha- how to monetize and exploit um, their their sports data. So you know, right from the you know the, the collection of the data at, at the side of the court in the case of tennis games, all the, and then you know that that data is then sort of collated um, and sent out to, to betting companies and media companies. Um, and, and, and money is collected for that service. So that's a kind of new, a new revenue stream for, for, for some of our clients, which previously they didn't really appreciate it existed. But, um, Stephen does a great job in, in evangelizing that and, and is a, is a great expert in that space. Then relating to that, there is sort of, uh, streaming work, which is a spin off of, if you like, of the traditional media rights type work, you know, TV broadcast contracts, uh, which we do as well. But on the streaming side, you know, we advise, uh, I guess you call the mid-level kind of governing bodies and sports bodies on how best to monetize their audio, audiovisual content and how best to get it out there in the world, you know, without, without the tradition, having the traditional sort of broadcaster relationship to um in order to be able to do that um and then you know other things like uh we do quite a lot of mobile related work so you know we've had had clients um based in in the us and in uh japan um who are looking to license kind of official content from football clubs to use in in mobile games um, so that's something that's, you know, it involves a lot of, sort of tech related work and also a lot of IP work because, you know, it's players, images, it's uh, representations of stadia, it's the official logos of the clubs, all those kinds of different issues, which, <clears throat> which get really quite complicated and which, are, which actually differ, you know, from country to country. So English law might say one thing. And then, you know, you have the laws of, of California might say another. Uh, and then, you know, Germany will say a third thing. So, um, yeah, there's quite a lot of technical detail work that needs to be done to sort of accurately advise clients on, on what they can and can't do. I was just going to mention one more client and then I'll, I'll let you jump in. Um, there's, we have a client called Supernor who do, um, 
actually a Finnish company, and they've got this technology called digital billboard replacement uh, technology, which effectively is, um, you know, a, a football match or any other kind of sporting game uh, where you have the advertising billboards around the edge. And they, they have technology that actually allows the, the replacement of those billboards um, with advertisements that are local to, you know, wherever that particular broadcast is being watched. So, you know, in China, you can have Chinese adverts. In <clears throat> Spain, you can have Spanish adverts. And in the U.S., you can have adverts for, for U.S. people. Um, so that's that's a really a really good example of the kind of quite sort of cutting edge technological sports related client that that we act for. That's great, and that's one thing I wanted to ask you about, Nick. Is it seems um, that a lot of the professional sports or elite level sports, one of the defining characteristics is their their international presence, and I wonder how that is dealt with in a legal standpoint. Whether countries have reciprocities for trademarks, or or if a team or a, a player wants to like target countries in which they'll have, I don't know, a more, a more strong legal presence or how do you, how do you go about yeah. negotiating that? Yeah, it's, it, it's a really interesting one because as I say, um, different countries have different laws. So, you know, I've touched on image rights just now and that's a, um, <clears throat> you know, a really, a really sort of big and important area and, and one that, that is very hard to advise on. Uh, really accurately because it does differ from, from territory to territory. So, you know, trademarks is, is, is a part of that. And, um, you know, different countries have different trademark registers. So for a lot of high profile players, for example, they will, if they want to protect their name using or, or their image using trademark rights, um, then you know, that's going to involve multi-territory separate trademark applications. And that can be, you know, can make it actually quite expensive because people say, right, I want to, I want to register my name globally. Uh, and you say, right, well, that's, you know, that, that that's probably going to cost you hundreds of thousands of pounds to, to do it in every single, every single state. So, so you're right to identify that the, the issue of different countries um, and, and different laws in those different countries is is uh, is a re really big challenge in this increasingly sort of international age. So you, you've been with the firm for quite a while, I think since 2002, you said, and in that time I, I imagine the, the sports industry has, has only grown and changed, but um, also social media and kind of that, that interaction and, and that consumption of sports and, and so on, I... I you know, Twitter, all that. I wonder if there's, um, like, if if the legal world in general is is still adapting to to ways to deal with this, and if if that's something you you come across with sports or yeah, you know what I mean. Like, maybe yeah. I need to rephrase the question, but but it's kind no, of it seems like there's new emerging technologies that need to be, I don't know, nailed down legally before you can actually start to to work with that. Do you do you find that at all in in your work? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the the issue that you tend to find is that the law is is very conservative and is very slow to move, whereas technology is 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 the opposite. And um, so you're always finding that the law is lagging behind 
what's actually going going on there out in the world. And of course, in sport, you, not only do you have the law as in, you know, the law of the land, as it were, but you also have um, the rules and regulations of, of sports bodies. So you, you have those two things, both of which need to need to try and cater for and, and catch up with technology. Um, and I think actually on the whole, um, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of sports bodies are, are pretty good at uh, amending their rules and regs um, to, to try and keep up with, with developments. So we come back again to the, to the example of football in this country, you know, the Premier League and, and the Football Association um, are quite good about bringing in new guidelines and, and tweaks to rules and regulations in order to reflect um, you know, the, the advent and growth of, of social media, for example. Um, but it's, it's, it's always the case that, uh, that the law is, is playing catch up. And I think that's part of what it means to, to actually be a good sports lawyer is to, is to be aware of that fact and to try and build into, to, for example, contracts uh, or, or regulations, if you're tr- trying to draft regulations, to, to try and build elements in in order to, if you like, future-proof them against, you know, right, what's going to happen in the next five, ten years, because think things do just change so rapidly. So along those lines, like... I feel like from from your perspective, you sit on this really interesting intersection where you're kind of seeing the perspectives of the actual athletes, the governing bodies, the team, and even the media as well. Like, is it mm. um, how do you kind of balance all these different forces as you go into to different kind of opportunities and different uh, situations? Um, yeah, I think. It, you know, as you say, as lawyers, you're kind of used to you're used to advising different sorts of stakeholders, different kinds of companies and individuals. So that is part of the job. You do, you do need to kind of sometimes change your hat um, depending on the particular situation you find yourself in. But um, actually, I think, you know, the fact that, that all of us here are always doing that and, and have you know, we might be acting for, for players or their agents one day um, and, you know, we might be acting for the sports governing body or a club another day on a, on a different matter. And, and that's really what, um, again, what, what being a good sports lawyer is about because it gives, you, it gives you perspective and it gives you industry knowledge and insight. So... You know, the fact that, that we are advising these, these different kinds of entities all the time means that when we do give advice, we're able to draw on all of that experience, all of that knowledge of, of the market and how it works. Wait, sorry, I was, I was on mute there for a second. Um, I, I read something on your website that I wanted to ask you about. And I, I don't know if mm. it's, it's your field or one of your colleagues, but it looks like um, you advised brands on protection against kind of copycat products or yes duplicates and things i wonder if you could tell us a bit about that yeah sure well this is yeah you know there are different different names for this kind of work you know some people call it brand management some people call it anti-infringement um 
but yeah it's really again it comes back to intellectual property and about um enforcing and, and protecting that property so you know we, we do advise quite a few different clients on um you know registering their trademarks um enforcing those rights against third parties enforcing uh, if if it's a f- sort of famous client or a, a high-profile footballer, they might have the so-called image rights, um, which is a sort of uh, a, a hodgepodge in this country of different rights, you know, trademark rights, rights under what we call passing off, which which I guess is similar to to um, unfair competition rights in other countries. Um, so we. Yeah, you know, we, we, what we try and do is, is to bring together all the various different elements of intellectual property and we identify in any particular situation what, what the problem actually is, which piece of IP being infringed, if any. And then, you know, we, we, we seek to go after whoever is infringing it. But, um, I guess it comes back to that, the, the international question, which is, it's pretty hard if if you know one of your your clients is suffering because there's there's a company in China who's who's creating counterfeit products and selling them on a on a Chinese website. Um, it's pretty hard to go after um, those counterfeiters um, in an effective way. I mean, we do it and we involve the Chinese authorities, and um, you know it, it can be done. Um, but it it can be harder given that international element. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting work. And um, you know, in the age of the internet, when so much activity is going on online, um, it is actually slightly easier to get stuff taken down, if you like, um, from from offending websites and so on. From your perspective, with all this evolving technology, what are some of the either most pressing issues or some of the things you're really excited about in terms of like how sports and sports law and this intersection with technology are are going yeah well there's it's always difficult kind of future gazing and and trying to work out what's going to be big and and what isn't going to be big and uh, i dug out one of my presentations from about sort of six or seven years ago the other day that was saying you know people will probably have have rollable screens on their mobiles you know in a few years where you can kind of roll out the screen and and start watching on that um and and that that hasn't really happened yet but it may do one day um so i I think you know obviously mobile tech is is a very exciting area um you've got increasing resolutions on the screen you've got a wider variety of uh, screen sizes, which is is something that I'm not sure was really envisaged that it, that this would happen a few years ago. You know that you would you would get tablets and you would get a whole range of of different screen sizes. Um, so if you couple that with you know the, the increasing resolutions with um, increasing internet speeds and bandwidths. Um, Plus, you know, better mobile uh, telecommunications technology like, you know, 4G and, you know, I'm sure 4G will probably be old news in, in, a, in a year or two. But it just, you know, that, that's a very exciting space because, 
it's it's kind of trite saying it, but um, everything is becoming increasingly increasingly mobile. So that's very interesting. Um, and on the broadcast side, you know, HD is is widespread now, but we've got again increasing resolutions where you know new 4K. Uh, TVs are coming out that that have sort of double the resolution, so um, that's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, and I just, you know, obviously there's all this chat around, uh, and, and I don't particularly like the phrase, but there's the phrase "big data" and uh, you know "big data" in in a sports context, and there's a lot of uh, activity going on, which which you guys will be fully aware of. of you know, trying to trying to make sense of that data and uh, trying to present it in in a meaningful way um, to consumers um, and and to just to, to individuals out there in the world. So over here we have an app called um, Squawker, um, which has an official license from um, from what's called Opta. Uh, who license out a lot of official sort of Premier League and and Football League data uh, and data from other leagues as well. They've actually brought an app which I think was approved just on Friday um, <clears throat> by the Apple Store, and that could be a that could be a really interesting player because they are it's bringing a, a new sort of experience to to, to sports data and, it, and it's quite. It's quite tangible. It's easy to use. There's a lot of depth to it. Um, and I think that's one of the big challenges out there in, in the sort of software and, and app space is how do we make this sports data relevant and interesting? Um, and on that side, I saw recently in, in the US. Um, do you guys know about Sportstream? Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, um, yeah, it's a Paul Allen, um, who's obviously the, the, the Microsoft guy. A Paul Allen backed um, app, um, and they pivoted recently because originally they were doing a like a sort of consumer or sports fan facing platform whereby you could you could sign up and follow all the the Twitter and Facebook hubbub around your team. But now, rather than being uh, you know rather than facing the sports fan, they they've pivoted effectively and. They now they've signed a deal with Facebook to get all of Facebook's data, um, and they they're now partnering with with sports teams and effectively working with those teams to to provide a sort of rich, relevant data experience. So so that's quite an interesting development. So yeah, I think mobile and broadcast and and data are three of the the big interesting things. That are happening, um, but I think as well, I look forward to the day when you know we have, uh, you know, we'll have drones which are, you know, broadcasting, uh, you know, flying over the pitch and recording and, and broadcasting live footage, and that's going to add a new sort of dynamic element to, to the sports broadcasting, and I think it'll take a while before that's actually happening, but. That, that's the kind of thing that, that gets me pretty excited when I, when I think about what's around the corner. Great. Well, we'll keep, keep an eye out for the drones on the pitches then. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot, Nick. Is there, is there any 
anywhere you'd like to point our listeners to if they'd like to read a bit more or learn a bit more about uh, sports business law? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, so you can go to our website is um, is www.couchmansllp.com. So that's where you can find out what we're up to. Um, in terms of sports law generally, um, in the UK in particular, um, it's definitely worth looking at uh, Law in Sport, which I think is just uh, lawinsport.com. Uh, that's a useful free site. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think um, it's worth, worth looking in those places, definitely. Thank, thanks, thanks again, Nick, and uh, wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. No problem at all. Thanks, Good. guys. Good to speak to you. And that is the episode. Thank you, Nick, and thanks, listeners, for listening. We will put those links up on our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Thanks. Bye.